You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TMA Podcast. I'm Jace Eustace, joined, as always, by my partner and my co-host, Jared Huff. Jared, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Um, although, I have to say, a little disappointed because uh, we lost a lot of money on future bets this weekend uh, via the Phoenix Suns so and Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, yeah? So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll not, touch uh, on it. We'll touch on it a little rough. bit, but while you might be losing some betting money... I have been on a hot streak as far as how my predictions have been going. I know if anybody's listening has been following us along on TikToks. I was doing pretty good as far as my second round. Bucks couldn't pull through, but we'll get to that here in a little bit as we get more into this podcast. But I just want to start out, man. We got a final four. We got four teams left in the NBA playoffs going from where we started. Even just the beginning of the playoffs, we talked about how crazy these playoffs were going to be. They've lived up to the expectations. There's not, there has not been a lot of quick series besides, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets getting swept out in the first round. Besides that, most of these series are going six, seven games. We had a couple of game sevens in the last round. Now we're setting ourselves up. We got conference finals matchups, and I'm super excited. So let's just jump into it, man. We've been starting with the Eastern Conference. Let's continue to start with the Eastern Conference. And we got a matchup. We got my Miami Heat going up against the Boston Celtics, the one against the two seed. But although it doesn't really seem like it's, you know, just the two front running teams, the Eastern Conference, both these teams definitely deserve to be where they're at. So, Jared, Heat, Celtics, how did we get here? Well, we got here because uh, the Brooklyn Nets did not decide to show up and play in the playoffs (laughs) this year. It was an easy sweep for the Celtics. And then Celtics took on one of uh, the defending champions and they put up one of the best series, I think, in the last few years that we've had. Now, unfortunately, game seven really didn't follow the trend of great game sevens. That's true. But uh, nonetheless, it showed just how great this Boston Celtics team is, just how much of a 180 they pulled from where they started in this season. It's showing that Jason Tatum is truly one of the best players in this league and that Boston's bench is full of a ton of role guys that can come in and provide scoring, provide defense, and provide their team opportunities to win. I mean, not many people thought they could stop Giannis the way they did. And although Giannis had statistically a pretty good game. A great, for Gian- he had for a Giannis, great series, yeah. Wasn't a great game seven. Which no. is crazy to oh, say yeah. when he's getting like what 25 points? Was it 20 boards, something like that? Yeah, it's just um yeah. But for and, oh and Grant Williams, was it seven three-pointers? Game I mean, seven, Grant, man. He was what was he seven for nine, 27 points, showed up in game seven, dude. Game seven, Grant. Oh yeah. my and I, I love the confidence that I saw from him. Like he was gonna take every shot that made yeah. sense and he felt like it was going in on one of his last threes. He just like stared at it and just started walking away as it went in. I mean, it was just something to watch. Um, it's, it's made me a believer in this team. Finally. Um, Ooh, which, okay. Uh, that's an, and you might not want to hear this, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, they're favored, but I'm, I'm going to go along with the favor, which it has burned me many times so far in, in this postseason. Yeah. But just from what I've seen from Boston, I just think they're a more complete team. Miami, now, don't get me wrong, has a lot of great role players, has a really good bench. Problem is 
the lack of consistency, uh, it just in where the offense is coming from any given night. Hero can light up um, any team for 30, maybe even 40, but that doesn't happen every night. Duncan Robinson is in and out of the lineup. Jimmy Butler is probably the most consistent offensive weapon, but yeah. he's not always going to give you a 40-point game like he was doing in the 2020 finals and earlier in the series. Um, it's it's just I, – I just – I don't believe as much in Miami's offense. Whereas okay. from Boston, I, I, I'm pretty confident that we're going to uh, – Boston's going to get a lot from Tatum. Um, and then any guy on any given night, like Horford was showing that for some reason he's not 35 years old. He's like a, like he's kind of doing a Benjamin Bunn thing where he's like all of a sudden his vertical is increasing as he gets older because he's dunking on people now, which we've never seen in his 15-year career. I don't know what's going on uh, on the Horford side of things, but, yeah, he's, he's rewinding the clock. Marcus Smart can knock down some shots when he needs to um, and when he's not making some boneheaded uh, turnovers and stuff like that. Uh, apparently Grant Williams knows how to score. We, we found that out. <laughs> so I, I, I'm super excited for the series, but uh, if you have to give me a prediction, uh, if I have to give my predictions, it's going to be the Boston Celtics in six. In six? Oh. In six. I'm sorry. Wow. I, I don't mean to disrespect you. And I love Jimmy Butler. He's one of my favorite players. But Okay. The confidence for the Boston Celtics to come through in six, man. Don't doubt in them. Hey. That's fine. I'm just considering you had them losing round one to Brooklyn. And they, two. Have, they have really changed your mind as far as you're going with them over the number one seed. Hey, I respect that. That's your take. I got I'm just gonna get into kind of what I have to say here. You know, this is the matchup that I wanted. I didn't think it was gonna happen. I did obviously predict the Bucks to win in seven. So I was a game off there. Obviously, the Celtics, they did what they did in game seven. They came out, they punched them in the mouth, and Milwaukee had no answer for them, and more all the credit in the world to them. But this is the matchup I wanted, man. I all these teams that have gotten all the hype this whole season, this whole postseason, they're getting knocked out one by one. And Miami is still there just doing what they do, man. They just keep rolling. They keep winning. And they win in different ways. That's just what they do. Yet, you touched on it a little bit. I'm going to get into it a little bit more. The disrespect continues. Miami, the number one seed that finished up their last series in six, is the betting underdog coming into the Eastern Conference Finals. They're plus 145 from what I checked. Mm -hmm. They're plus money. For the one seed, for the team that has – they haven't had to face a game seven yet. Yeah, they dropped a couple games to Philadelphia when Joel came back in Philadelphia. But guess what? They adjusted. They came back firing. They didn't lose another game. Obviously, we know what happened in round one against Atlanta. They lost one game there. They figured them out, haven't lost another game. They are nearly unstoppable at home. It's what they do, and you're telling me that in a seven-game series, they're going to get four of those seven games at home if it goes that long. This is going to be absolutely fun. This is going to be two of the league's best defenses, and it's going to be such a different series because I don't think we're going to see 115 on the scoreboard. We're not going to see 120s on the scoreboard. Definitely not one, no 125s on the scoreboard. We're going to see some of these games that are going to end up, you know, 92 to 87. We're going to have I some of these games. That. It's going to be fun. It's going to be – and I, I hope before we ever see, you know, one of these games played – Message to the referees, let them play. I want to see defense. You know, I'm obviously, not, obviously bet, call. I know, but obviously call when, you know, it's egregious, when they're slapping, when there's things like that. 
But these ticky tack fouls, these two teams are tough. They're physical. They can handle it and they will respond. You have to let them play the type of basketball. Hey, they both want to play. It's not favoring one or the other. It's going to be two guys, two teams getting down in the trenches and who's going to come out the dirtiest is going to come out the win, the winner. And I don't mean dirty as in, you know, trying to hurt anybody or anything like that. I mean, going down there and getting those loose balls and making those extra plays. Butler and Tucker, man, they're going to have their hands full with Jason Tatum. You know, as we all know, Miami, that, that deep runs, that bench runs deep. I mean, you talk about you, you don't understand the kind of lack, or as you say, the, the inconsistency of offense for Miami. You don't really know where it's going to come from on a given night. I see that as an advantage because they're going to feed that hot hand. And there's no way. I mean, there, there might be one game. There's always one game where, you know, the entire team goes cold. Just ask, you know, Phoenix in game seven. We'll touch on a little bit. But, like, there's always teams where it's just a game's going to not go your way. But Miami's got so many guys that they're going to feed that hot hand, whether it's P.J. Tucker hitting down things in the corner, whether we have these random resurgence games of Caleb Martin or Gabe Vincent where they pop up and all of a sudden they're unstoppable scores. Obviously, Tyler Hero is going to give you what he does. Uh, Bam Adebayo, we haven't even touched on him. He's a solid 20 points down from the paint, down in the paint what he does. Duncan Robinson could light it up at any point. We don't know how much he be, he's playing, but if he's knocking down shots, he's playing in that game. So we'll see how all that goes. And you gave your prediction. And I just want to say, look, I've been, I've been on a hot streak in these playoffs. I got seven out of eight of the first round series, right? My Toronto Raptors, yeah. they tried to come back. They did. They almost, they were trying to come back from down three. Oh, couldn't do it. Respect. I went three out of four in the second round, even predicting the correct games on three of the four of them. That was insane. So now the pressure is on for me in the conference finals, and I'm ready for it. After careful thought and consideration, consulting with my team behind me, you know, a lot of late nights, a lot of sleepless nights up, thinking about matchups, individual things, you know, I've come to a conclusion. And it's going to be the Miami Heat in seven games. They are going to win this series. It's going to be pushed to seven, but they are going to win at home in South Beach in game seven. Miami's been almost unbeatable at home this season. They're going to have more time than Boston to get healthy and rest up coming in. I would not be surprised if Miami takes both of the first two games in Miami before going to Boston and dropping one or possibly two. It could almost kind of be like a replay, basically, of what we're seeing. Oh, my. Excuse me. My Alexa decided to, my, my Alexa got so excited of things that I was talking about here. But I also think they're going to be more healthy. And I think that Coach Spo has showed that he's going to be able to make the necessary adjustments to beat any team that they're coming into a series in. I am going with Miami. It's been a hell of a run for Boston. And they're going to make it hard for the Heat. It's not going to be an easy series. But in the end, Miami's primed to make their second NBA Finals appearance in the last three years. And that's just the way that it's going to be. I think it's a fair take. Um, I'm really excited to see the series play out. I will admit, I'm kind of going to be rooting for the Heat at times just because uh, Jimmy Butler's my guy, will always be my guy. Um, but I, I still think it's going to be the Celtics. It's not a series I want to bet. I, actually, I think I'm probably done betting when it comes to these NBA playoffs because – 
any given night, I put money on anything. The opposite it's all right. happens. You know, it's it's all right if if you want to tail me in my bets. Where we seem to be on a hot streak over here yeah. on this. I side, might have so. to. I might have to bet against my own bets. I'm just saying, you know, if you you make make and a little bit of that you. money back, you know, I'm I'm hitting on a pretty high percentage over here. I don't in the playoffs. I can't do these game by game basis because I, I just I like going the whole series. And yeah. uh, so far, it's working out so well yeah. for me. So definitely don't. Definitely don't do a game by game basis because the Warriors will like lose by almost fifty. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's dumb. It's stupid. Oh, I, hate, man. I hate sports. Yeah. We, but I love it. Before we move on to the Western Conference, I got to ask you kind of a question here. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of something that's been going on basically since last night, since the game ended. And so, as we know, a lot of people think that Giannis is the best player in the league. I am included in that. I know you've said KD, you believe, is the best player in the NBA as of right now. Or unless uh, that's changed. Well, since the playoffs well okay, started. so I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. Okay. Uh, it was uh, early in the uh, celtics uh, Buck series. Mm-hmm. I've conceded okay. um, the title over to Giannis. Um, just from what I saw uh, in the net series, KD could really never seem to find his game and then just Giannis and what it takes to stop him seeing it in person is one thing when I got to see him play against the bulls. Yeah. Um, Cause the last, the last time I saw Giannis in person, he was a 19 year old kid, barely, oh, yeah. scratching, barely getting any rotation minutes. Um, but what it takes to stop that guy. I mean, he's going to go through everybody and really, if anything, the refs are what can stop him the most. If he gets like a charge call, whether it's the correct call or not, that seems to be the only consistent way to stop him. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm willing, cause he's, he's a skinny shack. Yeah. He's a skinny he's a young shack, shack with ball skills. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't seen a player like Shaq since and he's the close thing. So at this point I'm, I'm conceding that Giannis okay. is the best player in the NBA. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, but the, kind of the way that I was going about this is I'm sure you've seen it because obviously you're you're in on all the NBA media and things like that are going mm-hmm. on. But there is kind of a, a general discussion that's been kind of going on about how a lot of people think that Giannis is kind of the best player in the NBA. But now now that he's he was knocked out by Boston in game seven, a lot of people are still coming to defend him. And a lot of people are kind of bringing up and this isn't me. I know it sounds like me, but people are bringing up LeBron. Where it's like, okay, when you're the when you have that title, you know, you're the best player in the NBA this time. The standard for it seems like the last 10 years, the last decade or so that we've held LeBron to is not even just make the NBA finals. It's you have to win the NBA finals. Like otherwise the criticism just comes down on you. But now we're starting to see where it's like Giannis, yeah, a lot of people consider him the best player in the NBA, but now we're seeing a lot of people defend Giannis. Just saying like, you know, yeah, but you still need help. And he was missing his second best player. And it's almost like we changed the bar when it was LeBron dominating for as long as he did, where now it's now it's not LeBron sitting on that throne. So now we're like bringing it back to a human level. And it's like more of like, oh, what can you expect from him? I, I think that my theory on why that is, it's because um, I think the people that were praising LeBron at the time, even before, uh, like probably around the time the Miami Heat first formed the Heatles, yeah. uh, they were basically kind of praising LeBron as like one, like the greatest player of all time before he even achieved winning an NBA championship. And in a way, I think that lowered 
they were attempting to lower the bar for the conversations of what it takes to be the GOAT, clearly, because you're crowning a player that's never won a championship as the greatest player of all time. So once LeBron did start to move up the ladder in terms of winning championships, but then also losing again in the finals, the people that had to hear like, oh, like LeBron's the greatest player of all time when he really hadn't had a resume to kind of support that necessarily. I think that's what has led to the bar being raised for LeBron on reaching that point of being like the best um, to where people are like, no, no, he keeps like, there's all these inconsistencies with his career where we've seen other guys like not really have these moments of blunders or losing in the finals. So it's kind of like both sides are trying to like pull the bar down and then the other side's trying to pull the bar up. And it's just, uh, so, so you think it's two, two different discussions. So you think that the bar was lowered when you're talking about the goat discussion, not talking about what just the best player in the NBA should oh, be able to oh, accomplish. Well, at that given time, are you saying that people were doubting LeBron was the best player, no, active best player? So in the NBA? I am saying that I'm not. I'm not even bringing up goat conversation in anything. I'm talking about when LeBron was actively the best player in the NBA, mm-hmm. and we can argue his prime was probably he probably held that title longer than anybody else has ever held that singular title. I mean, his prime lasted quite possibly yes. twelve years. I however you want to map it out, but the dude went to eight straight finals in the middle of his career. Obviously, four with Miami and then four with Cleveland. I'm basically saying that when LeBron Basically, when he would go to the NBA Finals and he'd lose either to the Spurs, losing to the Warriors, whoever whoever he dropped the game, dropped those game the series to, the, we basically heard he can't be the best player in the NBA. When you're the best player in the NBA, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter that Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were both hurt. It shouldn't. You should still win the bet. You should still win the NBA Finals because you're the best player in the league. And what I'm saying is, I've noted, I'm seeing it change where it's now it's. Now that Giannis is more widely considered as the best player in the NBA, obviously a lot of people still think KD or, or whatever. Now that Giannis has been knocked out in round two in a, in a tough fought series against a better team, now it's, oh, it's okay. You know, he didn't have a second best player. He still put up his numbers. He still won a championship last year. But when it came to LeBron, it was, I don't care. You're the best player in the NBA. Go win an NBA Finals. So I'm taking the GOAT side out of it. I'm not, that's not even part of the discussion for me. I'm talking when you're the right now best player in the NBA, you should win the Finals. And I felt like for the last 10 years or so, when, when that was LeBron's, that was the narrative is you have to win the NBA Finals. Well, then in that case, I think the difference is um, Giannis doesn't have um, Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh or Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love on his team. I mean, his best player through uh, how many games did he end up playing? Bulls went to, so he played 12 playoff games. Mm-hmm. T- 10 of those were without Chris Middleton, yeah. his second best player, uh, the only other all-star on the roster, although – Personally, I think Drew Holiday should have made it over Fred Van Fleet. Yeah. And I think how the rest of the season played out, I would be vindicated in that. Um, but going into a finals, and that Boston Celtics team is really good. You got an all-NBA talent in Jason Tatum, MVP candidate, and Jalen Brown, who is an all-star level player. Um, you got Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year. Al Horford, who had a fantastic series where he looked like the all-star level player and at times better than any moment we've ever seen in Al Horford's career. Mm-hmm. Al Horford, I believe the three time, two to three time all-stars. And a lot of people forget that. Um, I think, cause it's probably been a while since he's been on the Hawks and he's just not a sexy all-star name. Yeah. Those, those Hawks teams. 
Yeah. So that was a really good Celtics team. And yeah. Giannis was playing shorthanded. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people are coming to his defense. I also think, and it just comes with just, it's stupid NBA, like conversations and storylines and stuff like that, where Giannis just really isn't a controversial superstar. He's not. Um, he's pretty, like, he barely yeah. even complains about foul calls oh, I know. that and don't that, go his that's, way. That's kind of my just, point. I think in, he in just has a lot more respect from the players in the league and from, unless you're James Harden, and from the fans just in general, the fans of the media, because Giannis is just more of an authentic star and has gone about things the right way in terms of his career. Like he stayed in Milwaukee, even though people were telling him, get out, small market, you're never going to win there. Um, he won a championship with uh, the only other guy that's been there as long as him and Chris Middleton, which is super mm -hmm. rare nowadays. And that's ho hopefully someday I'd like to see stuff like that come back, but who knows? Um, I just, I think it's cause just the way Gian Giannis has handled his career versus how LeBron handled his career starting out. That's just why those conversations are different. Um, I, whether it's fair or not, that's just yeah, why. That's I, I see what you're saying. And kind of the last point I'll get on this, because I'm sure we could spend all day on it. But it's I'm, I'm even going back to when LeBron was dragging Mo Williams and Ildrina Silgauskas, you know, to the NBA finals back before he even left to go to Miami, where, you know, it's I'm just saying it seems like the, the NBA media kind of picks who they want to protect and who they want to hold accountable for the same thing. Like, even in the NBA Finals that LeBron lost where he didn't have, like, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love was injured the entire time, and he almost won game one by putting up 50 points if, if J.R. Smith would have known the score. Obviously, they probably still don't go on to win that series, but he almost stole game one just single-handedly, where it's like, it, it, we kind of just, I think LeBron, the standard we hold is so high because he's the only one to ever really come in and threaten the GOAT in Michael Jordan, where it's like, well, you know, you should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done that. And now that we're seeing kind of the next best player in the NBA currently, I just think, you know, I think it's a, a nice opportunity to step back and kind of see how that bar isn't necessarily lowered, but it's changed just because we hold LeBron to a certain standard. And most and a lot of people think that he doesn't hang up to that, but I just think it continues to raise the bar with no matter what he does. But I'm sure we can spend forever on this. We got to move on into the Eastern Conference. And I was so excited in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, I picked the Dallas Mavericks in seven. A lot of people thought I was crazy. I'm sure I got some eye rolls. I'm sure everybody's like, it's Phoenix. Of course, they're gonna roll Dallas. Well, I was right, and they were wrong, and I'm going to gloat just a little bit, little bit. That so, hurts, man. I'm sorry. But we got our matchup. We got our Warriors. We got Mavs. So how did we get here in the Western Conference, and what does this series look like for you? Well, we got here because the Dallas Mavericks wanted it more. There and you go. that was clear of this day, especially in just in the early minutes of Game 1. The Suns, or I'm sorry, Game 7, the early minutes of the first yeah, quarter yeah, yeah. in Game 7, the Suns looked frazzled. You saw it on their faces when they do close cuts to Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, I believe Chris Paul and Devin Booker started out 0 for 10. Like, it was crazy what was happening. Oh, yeah. And early on, it seemed like, okay, so Dallas has an early 10-point lead. Matt, uh, Suns kind of closed it a little bit. And then Dallas opened it up to, like, 15. And then by the end of the quarter, it was 20. And you're like, oh, my God. I don't think the Suns have it in them to get back because no. Dallas was just hitting shots. Their role guys looked confident. 
Luca was unstoppable to where the Suns defense didn't know what to do at times. DeAndre Ayton couldn't get it going. Uh, Bridges couldn't get it going. And defensively, he wasn't really making an impact on Luca. It was just, you just saw it that Dallas Mavericks team wanted more because no one believed they'd be here. No one thought they'd get this far. Oh, yeah. And here they are in a game seven against the team that just won, I thought. won 64 games. One of the 25 best teams record-wise of all time. And here they are. Oh, yeah. With the Suns on their back, like a turtle you just flipped over on the side of the road. And it was it was a massacre. It was bloody. It was just, it was unfair. It was unfair. Now, with that being said, and this is going to go into my prediction. Okay. I mean, this has been the most wide-open NBA conference finals on either side in a long time. Even the set conference semifinals. Yeah. I, for a, lo- a lot of the matchups, I thought, who's going to come out of this? Like, you don't know. To where, just from the conference semifinals alone, I saw a lot of what I... I I saw in every team, except really I would say Miami, aside from the lack of their consistency offensively on any given night from players, most of the teams I saw things that I didn't like that makes me, like, at this moment, I couldn't predict mm-hmm. with, like, even 60% certainty of that team's going to win the NBA Finals for, like, the first time ever, which that is what I love. I don't want to be able to predict an accurate finalist that I believe 100% so, like, I see the deficiencies in what the Warriors have. I see it in the Celtics. I see it in the Heat. And then when it comes to the Mavericks, even though they've defied my expectations all the way, I still don't think they're a great basketball team. I think they still rely too heavily on Luka, who's shown that that's not really an issue because he's going to put the team on his back and continue to rack up all-time playoff performances on a game-to-game basis. Oh, yeah. But... Just the guys behind him, the the way the roster is, if you're able to stop uh, Dallas's shooting, kind of take out the role players and maybe just let Luka cook, I think they're a very beatable team. It's the role guys that open it up for Luka, and it's the role guys that when Luka's being targeted, they're then Luka's just getting them the ball and they're hitting the shots, which is crazy. I, I, I just, I don't believe in this Mavericks team, even though, I've seen stuff with the Warriors where they'll try to shoot themselves. Like when they were down 50 points against the Grizzlies. Um, and even before that, it, they just kind of kept trying to shoot like, Hey, if we just keep shooting, we're going to get our way back into this game. And that's kind of, I think one of their weaknesses, but I don't think the Mavericks just have what it takes. I'm willing to bet that the Mavericks lose in five to the Warriors. I just, I, I can't, I, I've been wrong every time oh. against the Mavericks, but I just I still can't bring myself to believe. You had them losing in, to Utah. I did have them losing still, to Utah. So I had them losing oh, to the Suns, and I have them losing to the Warriors. Okay. I just this after the Porzingis trade, I thought this team got worse, which clearly not the case. But I just I still I still oh, don't see it. Wow, I still don't see it. I, I don't wow. see a Dallas Mavericks team in the NBA Finals. I just have to point out, so you picked against Boston in round one. Mm-hmm. And over the last two series, they've proved you wrong, obviously. And now you're taking them over Miami. Well, because And you picked against from what I've seen, Dallas. 
Yes. And over the last two series, taking out the team with the best record in the NBA, you're now picking against them. Yes. Okay. I'm just making sure that's straight. And you you mentioned that that trade a little uh, just for a second, and I just got to point out. I want to apologize on behalf of the TMO podcast because I joined in on you with this and laughing at Davis Bertans. Davis is having a good postseason. I don't think the he has shot a two-pointer yet. I don't think he's ever shot in a two-pointer in the playoffs yet. Just threes. That's all they need from him because they're opening up the floor as much as they possibly can for Luka. Mm-hmm. But that all being said, Warriors versus Mavericks. People laughed at my Dallas and seven pick. Look where we're at now. Look where we're at now. Dallas is better than we all thought going into these playoffs. Looks, Phoenix, they were a great front-running team, but as soon as Luka's back was against the wall, the Suns couldn't get that knockout punch. I said Luka is going to take off these playoffs. I said that before the playoffs, I was we were going to see an ascension of Luka Doncic, and I think we're seeing that. And right before our very eyes, there he goes, up, up, and away, and he's just getting started, man. Game seven was an embarrassment. The Suns played cocky. They played like they already won the series, and now they're heading to Cancun. So they're going to have a lot of fun with that. Moving forward, this is going to be fun. I worry a little bit about the consistency of both the Warriors and the Mavericks. We saw, obviously, the Warriors dropped, what was it, game four that they got blown out or five uh, stop talking about it please yeah so that it's... happened we want to talk about inconsistencies that did happen where they lost to a jawless memphis grizzlies team they can both have real clunkers as teams they can both go dry as shooting but after consulting you know with my team like i said earlier before ran the numbers came through on all the analytics everything came together and we settled on, on my pick here for the Western Conference Finals. And if people did not like my Mavericks in seven's pick in seven pick last round, they might really hate my pick this time because Dallas is winning this series in six games at home. They are winning it in six. Luka is going to the NBA Finals. We are going to see a Dallas-Miami rematch in the NBA Finals three. in 2022. Book it. Because it's going to be so fun. Luca is on a trajectory to the sun. Like, I don't even care. He surpassed the sun. He did surpass the sun. Unintended. Exactly. You're 100% right. And you know what? You you can laugh about this this Dallas team. Their makeup, their roster, what they rely on, what they do. It's not traditional. It's weird. But I'll tell you one thing that's severely underrated in these playoffs. Jason Kidd has them playing great defense. Mm-hmm. And it is so underrated because we talk about Luka, we talk about usage rate, we talk about the shots, they're only shooting threes, they're blah, blah, blah. Their big men aren't even big men. They're playing out in the perimeter. They're different. That's whatever. They have played lockdown defense. Like, they have improved game after game on the defensive end. Shout out to Jason Kidd because I didn't think he had it in him. But after losing those first couple games where it looked really bad, this series was going to get out of hand, they locked in, and they let locked in, started on the defensive end, started turning turnovers into points on the other end. Basically, for Dallas to lose, all like four or five of their three-point shooting role players all have to go cold on one night. And I don't know, Spencer Dinwiddie, all of a sudden, they haven't been relying on him, scored 30 points in game seven. You're hoping he can do that. You got Jalen Brunson, 
Davis Bertans has become a sniper out of nowhere. I'm sorry that we laughed at him. All of a sudden, Maxi Kleba is out there shooting threes. Reggie Bullock's out there shooting threes. You got Dorian Finney-Smith out there shooting threes. I know they don't sound like big names, but I think this is a year where a team like that, with the inconsistency of the Warriors, Jordan Poole hasn't looked as you know indestructible as he did kind of in that first round of the playoffs. I think we're going to see the Mavs in the NBA Finals carried by Luka. He's going to earn that nickname of Luka Legend. Now, what I think you're underrating a little bit is one of the things that has helped this Mavericks team survive through these playoffs is their ability to play small ball and really screw things up for their opponents. I mean, we saw Rudy Gobert essentially oh, yeah. should have be should have been become unplayable, but in a sense, he's way too valuable and potentially impactful to a game to take out like you see team like when the Grizzlies would take out Steven Adams or the Warriors erase Kevin Looney from uh, the lineup um they're going against a team that took the book on small ball that the Celtics or Miami Heat arguably wrote and then wrote their own edition and it was a New York Times bestseller yeah. perfect they're going against that team they're Things going change. against the core that perfected small ball. There's Things not change. there's not really an impactful player on this Warriors team that is going to be forced out of the lineup by this team. No. Dallas doesn't have a really doesn't big player that's going to be able to screw things up because really the Warriors can't afford to play a center, a traditional center, because uh, we've seen some weird lineups with uh, Kaminga at the five. Neither does Dallas. I know, but I'm saying... Dallas doesn't have somebody that's going to kind of screw it up because the Warriors really only – this team only excels at playing small ball instead of a traditional five. And that's, that's, that's going to that's gonna make things a little interesting for Dallas defensively and offensively. And I, it's, I think it's going to be a fun series if you just kind of want to watch the Warriors blow a team out from time to time. Now, I think there'll be a close game here and there, but I think the Warriors are going to come through on that. In six. Book it. Absolutely book it. Uh, I'm riding this Dallas wave. Warriors in five. Riding this Dallas wave to the NBA Finals. It's happening. So this is going to be happening. For our inner podcast debate, this is going to be fun for us because we have completely different finals predicted. Yes, we do. I'm seeing a Celtics Warriors, which... Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, that's a snooze fest. I feel fest. like why would, that might have been, what was it, the 1975 oh, NBA Finals? That's a snooze fest. That's what it I'll have to like look to that me. up. I feel like the Celtics were in the finals in 1975. That sounds, sounds like right. a snooze fest, man. I just, ugh. That's not, it, it doesn't sound fun to me. It's uh, not Warriors. Okay, and, no one uh, except Luka Doncic it's like, do is I a wanna fun s- player to watch. Yeah, but do I want to see the Celtics win their, like, 100th NBA Finals or the Warriors win their, like, fourth in the last oh, 10 years this or this do i want to see miami against luca like that's what i want to see i'm not saying this is the finals i want to see because i've seen enough warriors yeah. finals to last last a lifetime although i wouldn't mind seeing the celtics in the finals because i always think it's great when an nba um legacy franchise is not in the finals i usually boston hasn't been in a while <laughs> yeah not back since boston. 2010 yeah i know I- i'm happened. fine with it Also, it'd be kind of interesting to see because the Lakers and Celtics are going back and forth with who has the most championships. Kind of be interesting to see the Celtics get the leg back up over their uh, rival from across the country. That's not happening. 
I, I, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't think we're going to see uh, Heat Mavericks part three. I don't think it's happening. Well, I think we will. I think we will. And those are our predictions for the conference finals. Now it's time for our favorite part of the TMO podcast. And of course, that is our final segment. And that is always TM up. So Jarrett, a lot of NBA finals, game, or sorry, NBA finals, excuse me, NBA playoffs games going on, getting a little too excited. Who's getting your technical foul this week? Well, ironically, or maybe not, it's someone who will not be in the playoffs going forward. In fact, okay. he hasn't been in the playoffs for several weeks. I'm teeing up Patrick Beverly. Oh, boy. Now, let's hear it. There's been plenty of players throughout the last couple of weeks of the NBA and into the playoffs who have criticized Ben Simmons. Basically, any point in any stance you have on it is a fair stance. It's valid at this point, yeah. Kyrie Irving is kind of a weird guy. So, (laughs) really, really anything you say, you you might be right, too. James Harden, enough said. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be someone's $250 million problem for the next four to five years. I'm glad he's Billy, yeah. for your sake, I hope it's not you. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, because everyone loves to hate LeBron James or everyone loves to love him. So yeah. what Always I bad. don't understand, though, is why Patrick Beverly and a lot of people on Twitter are coming after Chris Paul as hard as they are. Personally, I think Chris Paul plays the game, aside from some flops here and there or selling calls, which I think every player does, plays the game the right way. He's one of the last real point guards in the game, and that's something that the NBA is going to sorely miss when his time is up. Uh, Very few players come close to that kind of style of point guard anymore, um, which, as we've all seen, has changed the Suns around completely. Well, Pat Beverly did his rounds on ESPN this morning, dragging this man through the mud after he hasn't seen an NBA court in two to three weeks. Now, typically, I like Pat Bev. He's from Chicago. He plays tough. He plays hard. Probably a guy I'd want on my team. But come on, man. You you could have won six times in your series against the Grizzlies, and they sent you to Cancun in five, six? It was six. It's Thanks. been so long ago, Pat Beverly. I don't even remember exactly how many games it took the Grizzlies to beat you. But he's out here saying that, oh, no one goes to bed early to, to face the Suns. No one's worried about playing the Suns. Steph Curry, you go to bed at eight. But if you're going to play Chris Paul, the traffic cone, because he can't guard anybody, you don't worry about that. He did call him a cone, yeah. Chris oh, Paul. Man is one of the greatest point men the NBA has ever seen. True. Point God. He's probably going to go down in NBA history. Quite possibly is the greatest player never to win an NBA championship, which I'm not ready to write the book on Chris Paul, but if he doesn't ever win one, which the window is closing, unfortunately. It's over. He's going to be that greatest player. Patrick Beverly. Are you still salty that the Houston Rockets won Chris Paul that bad that they had to send your ass to the second best team in LA? Well, I mean, fair Clippers were better then, but we all we know who runs LA. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh man, Pat Beverly, give it get over it, man. You weren't even the main piece of that trade, so no. quit pretending like you were. 
I'm, I'm just, I'm done with it. Like, you got to respect Chris Paul. He is the reason why that Suns team made it as far as they did. Sure, he didn't play great, but they wouldn't have been there if he didn't play the way he's played all season. And they definitely wouldn't have been there. We all remember his first round. He had some amazing games. He broke an NBA record for most made shots without a miss in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm done with the Chris Paul slander. We praise a guy when he's at his peak. And then the second he screws up, which may I remind you, he was not the only one that had a bad game in game seven because DeAndre Ayn and Devin Booker didn't show up. Oh, either. yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. So we're making fun of this man at 37, who's otherwise up until the last three nights has played some of the best basketball we've seen any 37-year-old in NBA history play. I'm done with it. Teen up Pat Bev. And you know what? I'm teeing you up to Twitter if you want to say some shit about Chris Paul. For a, second there, for, I thought, for a second there, I thought you said you were teeing me up. I was like, wait a minute. No, no, I, no, I was, no, no, I'm no, on no. the record, point God, all right? I, yeah, I no, no, Jace, Jace, you are safe from the shots I'm I, shooting I am tonight. all respecting Chris Paul <laughs> over here. I'll tell you what, though. As much as I respect my Chris Paul, I, I agree with you. I have never been a Pat Beverly fan. I think he's been dirty, and I'm glad to see that you've kind of come over to the side a little bit as far as all the talk that he's been doing. My technical foul is revolving kind of the same team. My technical foul is Devin Booker. Oh, technical foul to Devin Booker. How dare you? How dare you think that you're someone that you're not? And Devin Booker, you're a great basketball player. You're fantastic. You can put up points. Let's not forget what your career was before Chris Paul came here. Let's not forget that you've been in the league for, what is it, six, seven years? You, you're not, I think you're it's not, year seven. You're not a rookie. You've been here. You've been around the block. What was said about you before Chris Paul came just two years ago was, yeah, he can score. He could put up 70 points, 60 points. That's what he does. But he can't lead a team. He had someone come to his team and lead a team. And how dare you in game five when you're going up three to two against a four seed, Luka Doncic, act the way that you acted in that game. You're laughing. You're smiling. You're you're falling on the ground after a like non-foul talking about it's the Luka special. I'm pretending to be hurt, so it's going to be a flagrant foul. How dare you, after the whistle, Luca's trying to hand the ball off to a ref, and you're trying to steal it after the whistle because you know Luca's better than you, and he's going to be better than you for a very long time. Let's just go over your stats after that game. After, you know, we know what Luca did. He responded. He put up huge numbers and led his team to the next round of the playoffs, something that you did not do. And especially, you know, we could say what we want about Chris Paul, where, you know, he's a great player. Maybe the age played a factor. Maybe he ran out of steam a little bit. Maybe he needed you younger guys to pick up a game and get him to the next round. Give him a few more days off. Did you respond? Let's see. You had 30 points in game six and seven combined. You shot 0% from the three-point line in those two games. You were 0 for 8. You were nine for 31 from the field in those two games. You were trash, trash. When your team needed you most, your response was nothing, 
nada. You disappeared. And after front running and showboating and laughing and smiling, it's the Lucas special and he can't touch me. Look what happened. And I hope this is a lesson to Devin Booker because you could be a front runner all you want. Now that you got, you know, a little credit, you want to talk about, oh, you know, what do, what do people got to do to get into the MVP conversation? And, you know, how about, you know, lead your team to the second round? Or sorry, lead your team to the third round. Get to a conference finals again. Maybe not blow a 2-0 lead in the NBA finals like you did last year. You blew a 2-0 lead in this series. Like, Devin Booker, I was a fan. I was a fan. Like, and then I saw the way that you behave where you're trying to kick someone down. And what Lucas said, everybody's acting tough when you're up. He said that in that video that went viral after game five, everybody's acting tough when they're up. But guess what? You had one more game to win and two shots to do it, and you responded with 30 points in those two games combined. You averaged 26 on the season. You came up small, D-Book. And I would not be teeing you up for having two bad games if you wouldn't have acted the way that you acted in game five. So technical foul to Devin Booker. Because to me, this is a bad look. And I think up until now, he was kind of seen as one of these younger, younger up-and-coming guys. He's very well-liked around the league. He's got that, you know, kind of Kobe, Mamba mentality guy. But now this should change a little bit. Because you talk the talk, but you couldn't back it up. And when Chris Paul wasn't having absolutely historic nights, your team came up short. And you're the young guy. You're supposed to be able to show up and push them when they need a little push. I guess you can't do it without Chris Paul. That's just think, the way that I see Devin Booker right now. I think the series kind of market corrected where Devin Booker is in the hierarchy of NBA yeah. stars, where instead of being on like that kind of that Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic level, he's much closer to like uh, the Zach Levine, Devin Booker yes. kind of area. Where Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Agreed. Probably still deserves like a first all NBA team selection and like where he finished in an MVP voting because what he did to contribute to the Suns' regular season was palpable. But in terms of just how great he is as a player, he's not as high as kind of where yeah. he's been touted recently. There's levels to this shit. All right, there's levels to it. Like, and you got to go through what you got to go through. And guess what? In that series, Luka took a step forward. You didn't. Like, that was your chance. That was your chance. Like, you had two shots to do it. I saw this. I saw this tweet last night. Tell me what you think. Um, what's more pointless, Devin Booker's seventy point night or the Sun sixty four win season? Seventy point night. <laughs> uh, it's. I mean, yeah, seventy point night is the way that I. I. I, I might have <sighs> chuckled a little when I read. That I tweet dude, last I don't night. know Devin Booker. He, <laughs> to me, leading up to this, he was you know he was the baby faced. He still looks very young. He still is very young. I think he's like I 25. think he still looks 19. Yeah, he's a young kid. He could put up points, but it's just like now you've shown when you get pushed back, like this is the only time we've seen him in the playoffs is these last two years, right? Last year, up until the NBA finals, they never really got pushed. Like no one really pushed back and threatened him in the series. Obviously, they went up 2-0. They relaxed against Milwaukee. Giannis came back, won four straight games, won the NBA Finals. This time, he's starting to get a little too big for his britches, goes up 2-0 against Luka. Oh, we got this. They pushed back. He had two games to close him out, and he couldn't do it. Like, I'm sorry, but to me, like going off of what you said, this isn't as much on Chris Paul as you look at me. I know we look at Chris Paul as, you know, 
oh, you never win a ring. He lost another 2-0 lead, he, the, all this. This is on Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Who knows what's going on with him? It's internal, if you ask Monty Williams. You know, he's played 17 minutes in game seven. We don't know what's going on with him. So I think he's probably out the door. They didn't pick up his option. He's an incoming free agent. I mean, he's that excites me as agent, someone but... that needs a rim protector for their team. Yeah, you're going to be paying a lot for it. But, man, technical foul to Devin Booker for the way he acted and then responded in that series. Because I've just – I don't know, man. It's going to take a little bit of work. But to me, he's changed his image a little bit. And I'm, I'm not a fan because you got to back it up. If you're, if you're going to do all that talking, you're going to do all that laughing, you're going to do all that flopping, back it up. Win, win, win one game. Now, even though DeAndre Aiden's future is still up in the air uh, – from what I've heard, Chris Paul was dealing with some sort of hamstring injury, which yeah. I think would check out because he just hasn't seen the same player over the last few games. It seems to be, yeah, it seems to be always but, what, unfortunately, what he's dealing with. But he said he will be back. Yeah. It is not the end of his story. And I, That's fine. just as a, a Chris Paul fan, uh, I'm happy to hear that. Whatever version of the point God that we get after this. No. Oh, man. That's all we have this week for the TMO podcast. Thank you guys all for joining us. I want to be sure to follow along for all of our on all of our social media platforms for some fun NBA content throughout the week. So thank you guys all for listening. We'll be sure to catch you guys next time. Shout out to our TikTok following. You guys are really doing the most. <laughs> Let's do it.